This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. It's a butter egg made from plants. Bring more customers in your doors with Just Egg. Start with a free sample at ju.st slash hrn. Opening soon is sponsored by diageobaracademy.com. This week's episode of Meat in 3 is inspired by the reemergence of Cicada Brood 10. We're talking all about insects. Some people are calling crickets the gateway bug because that's a great introduction to what edible insects is all about. So we found detectable levels of cesium-137 in 68 of 122 total honey samples that we had. Ah, what is that? Is it tarantula? No, what is it? It's a tarantula. Oh, and they're going to eat it? No, 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 no. Listen to Meat in 3 wherever you get your podcasts. We are officially in the midst of what will be known as the great reopening of 2021, or so I think, or so I just named it. Um, Shuttered restaurants have most likely flipped ownership and are hurriedly making their way to the finish line, while those that have been on hiatus or partial capacity are seeing their dining rooms fill up again. And don't forget about the patios. When it comes to butts and seats, America is sitting inside, inside, outside, inside, and even outside, outside. Our friend and guest today is marching through this process with not one, but two projects that are underway in Washington, D.C. Johnny has worked across the globe in many notable restaurants, including Noma and Mini Bar, and currently is the chef owner of Reverie and has two new projects up his sleeve that we're going to dive into today. So if that wasn't all quite enough, we were just hearing the cute coos and noises of a brand new baby that Johnny welcomed to his family just over a week ago. So thanks for joining us while you have thanks so and much. congrats. Yes. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, this is perfect timing there. Everyone's down for a nap. The baby is feeding <laughs> now, so I'm sure he'll go back down. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's a different schedule that I've been used to at the restaurant. Two o'clock is definitely not nap time, but I'll, I'll take it for the next couple of days. Are you on paternity? Are you doing any kind of paternity leave or are you? Yeah. Uh, so, so this time around, I'm, I took off, uh, give or take two weeks, uh, with a couple moments where I actually had to go to the restaurant, which I'll, I'll be going tonight just for like an hour. Uh, when, so when Fiona, our first was born, she's two and a half. Uh, she was born 10 days after the restaurant opened. Oh. So when Reverie opened October 6th, my daughter was born October 16th. Um, so I was at the hospital. I was there for everything. Uh, got them home and then went straight back to work. <laughs> um, this this time around, uh, I think we I think yeah, the big conversation is like how the pandemic has kind of reshaped a lot of our priorities and what's important to us. And um, knowing that, you know, I have, a two and a half year old, my wife is, was pregnant and there was no way that I was just going to be able to jump right back into the restaurant like a day after be like, cool, you can figure out how to raise both these kids at the same time. Like, uh, I wanted to, wanted to be home. I said, I said a week and then my wife told me two weeks. Um, and <laughs> the I, boss said two I, weeks. I, I listened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I listened and it was like, it's one of those, one of the things that we preach about at Reverie is like the culture. And, you know, we're not that restaurant that tells people, no, you can't go to a wedding. You can't do this. Uh, like I want them to have like a work-life balance and they all give me shit because they, they're like, well, you don't do that. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I guess I'm not going to come into work for the next two weeks. And, um, 
all my staff just keeps texting me telling me not not, not they're not telling me not to come back but they're, they're 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 like you know take your time i mean they're they've all they've been with me since you know almost since the beginning so they've watched my family grow so now they're uh they're like just take take a moment to like be there with your family while you can which is dope so that's awesome. I mean, I think it's also a good testament to understand, you know, how you can scale restaurants is by forcibly removing yourself out of the business and knowing that your team is well enough trained and can handle it without you. And, you know, sometimes it takes something like a yeah. birth of a child to make that happen. So that's awesome that you're, you're getting this time. Yeah. It was, it's like one of those things where like, you can be like a really good cook, but to be a really good chef, I think you, your restaurant should be able to exist without you like jumping in and like trying to like, you know, work sauces and cook meats. Like, thankfully, I guess we've been able to like train everybody well enough and they feel super confident. Like they, they're more annoyed when I jump on the line now. Hmm. Uh, so it makes me, it makes me happy to know that not that they don't need me, but that, the, that, uh, it doesn't, that weight isn't on my shoulders, like to keep the restaurant going. I mean, it's on all of ours. It's distributed pretty evenly at this point. So. Awesome. So you're in the process of obviously welcoming a new family member and also reopening Reverie. And I saw that you're going sort of at your own pace and on, on your terms. Tell us a little bit about driving decision behind that and, and what that means to you and your team. Yeah. Um, so throughout, you know, all of this from whatever, 16 months ago, I, don't, I think yeah, it's been, it's been a while. <clears throat> we, uh, uh, yeah, like saying it out loud and like then looking at like a calendar and like time. Yeah, it's just weird. But, um, you know, towards beginning of last year when we knew that something was going to happen, I mean, with, you know, friends in Europe and if we weren't paying attention to the rest of the world, it, we'd be pretty dumb and naive to assume that nothing was going to happen. So we gave our staff like a heads up was like, hey, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to shut down, you know, almost immediately when this happens. And that was like a week before it actually happened. So it was good timing on my part. Um, but I'd let them all know that they were, were probably going to have to, you know, close down for a little bit, whatever it may be. And, um, that was, that was, that was wild. And we slowly all throughout last year, just kind of kept reinventing ourselves and trying to make sure that we were able to take care of our staff. And I didn't make any decisions, uh, without talking to them, which is probably, probably different. I think it's, I mean, I, I look at myself as the, the, the owner, but I also look at them as like my team and my family and that. Uh, you know, in one of like the shittiest times. So like that we'll probably ever have to go through uh, that the only way that my restaurant can exist and that we can exist is if they're there with me. So if they don't feel comfortable doing anything uh, like, you know, throughout all this, we, we decided not to immediately go to a hundred um, not because like staffing or any of that shit. It was uh, do they feel comfortable having that many people back in the restaurant? And they all said not immediately, um, but we're willing to like, we can build up to it. And that's what we did all last year. You know, when we, they closed indoor dining uh, and then they allowed us to do patio stuff. I was like, Hey, do you guys feel comfortable having guests in here, walk through the restaurants sit on the patio? Some of them said no. And some of them said yes. So I went with no, like from the beginning. And then um, as they started getting more comfortable, I mean, I, I'm not this like wild dictator of a chef where, you know, what I say goes like, I wanted them to you know, cause I didn't know what was going on either. And I felt wildly uncomfortable being there too. You know, I having my wife and, and daughter at home, uh, and not, you know, not knowing, you know, do we wear masks? Are we wearing, like, do we not like what's going to happen? Like how's this getting spread? Like, do we need to like sanitize all of our Amazon boxes that are coming to the restaurant? Like, how, <laughs> like what the hell are we doing? Like it was, it was kind of nuts. So there's, there was a lot of unknowns, but the, the only thing that I, I really knew, like, I knew that it was not going to be like a wildly success, like successful year, I guess, whatever metric you define success in like financially, probably not. Um, but 
I wanted to make sure that our team felt safe and that they were comfortable and that I was comfortable. Cause at the end of the day, like a restaurant is a restaurant. Like it's, it's nothing without the people that are inside there. So like even now, everything that we've done, it's a conversation. It's not of, Hey, um, we're open on the floodgates, just kind of go with the kind of thing. It's, it, it's a conversation. I mean, that's like the, that's again, like it's the only reason why I can step away from the restaurant is because I have trust in them. And I, th- I think they have trust in me knowing that I have their best interest at heart and that I'm not, I wouldn't have opened a fine dining restaurant down an alleyway on a one way street in Georgetown. If I thought I was going to make, you know, a couple million dollars a year, like it's, uh, it's a, it's passion over profit, but it's, it's definitely, uh, it's important. I want to make sure that they feel that they feel safe and, um, that we're, you know, we're doing the right thing and being, being a good person, uh, which is sometimes hard because you, you want to see like the financial gain and not close your restaurant. But, uh, at the end of the day, like it's, it is just a thing. It's not, it's not, it's not alive. Like my, my family and, and their families are more important to me than that. So, uh, any risk that we kind of took had to be kind of calculated to make sure that it was, that we wouldn't have to close the doors, but we were still being safe and, you know, just listening. Uh, cause I think that's one thing that not a lot of people do is like, I do talk a lot, but I can shut up and listen and, <laughs> uh, hear what, hear what my staff feels about everything and how they, how they want to, uh, kind of proceed with everything. So we, we've decided to slowly reopen, you know, as soon as DC, we went from 25% and I think we were like behind everybody. Like I think New York opened up before us. Um, but we were, we were stuck at 25 before DC or before your restaurant, uh, before DC. Right. I think, yeah. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden DC went from like 25% capacity, which 25% capacity indoors for my restaurant is 12 guests. <laughs> uh, so we, right. we had, luckily we had like a small patio, but, uh, they went from 25 to hundred with no restrictions. And I was like, okay, like we've been playing this for a year and a half and just abiding by everything that they tell us to do with doing it the right way. I'm like, we're not gonna, I'm not just gonna like throw all that away and just say, sure, let's just go right back into it. So were you guys for, open uh, at 25%? Did that make sense for, does it, did it even make sense to open the doors and not lose money? Yeah. So we, we never, so we, we never, we never stopped. We never closed the doors once. Um, there was three days that we, so we were always, we were always closed Sunday and Monday, but we closed three days, uh, last year, uh, during, um, there was like a bunch of, uh, protests throughout DC and Georgetown. And there were some people, some people that were like looting. So we closed the restaurant for a couple of days then. Um, and then the, uh, the insurrection in January. So, uh, we closed our restaurant then, but we've never, we haven't stopped. And I think that was another conversation too, is that, are we going to lose more money or less money if we stay open? And, I think for us, one of the most important things was like showing that we were part of like the DC community and, you know, I th- we lost less money staying open. Um, and we also were, I mean, I, I was also scared that the minute that we decided like to close and lock the door that I would never be able to reopen it again. Right. Um, just like go- going back into a restaurant that hadn't, hasn't been, fu- you know, functioning for an entire year, uh, like, you know, with maintenance and then just getting like getting everything back and not to say like we would get lost in the shovel because there was, I mean, it's like, it's a city and there's new restaurants opening all the time. Even during the pandemic, like there was people that were just like crushing to go stuff. And we didn't, I wanted to, it also gave me like a sense of purpose because I don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So we, we never, we never stopped. Um, And we, you know, we had some months that were fine and then we had some months that were terrible, but we, we always, we, we, we weren't reverie the entire time like we were carry up burgers for a while because we had a burger on the menu that was awesome that was like really easy for me and my sous chef just to do by ourselves and then we 
uh, transition to doing like a, a casual concept on the patio that was like a small prefix menu. And then we ended up doing pizza January and February. Uh, we did like a Montreal smoked meat pop up for a day. Like we were just every, I mean, I think we were like five different concepts last year, like whatever <laughs> we had to do to like keep things going and also like to keep us engaged. Um, because we knew that there was no, like, I don't chase stars or accolades. Like none of last year was to be like, okay, cool. We got to like make sure that we're, we're staying on the map and people know that we're here and we're pushing, you know, the culinary boundaries. It was like, no, keep the doors open, keep people fed and keep us like energized and, and ready to go. And uh, so if that was making, you know, smoking brisket and putting on sandwiches for a day and then slinging a bunch of like tavern style pizzas, like, yeah, let's do it. So right. uh, it was, it was kind of, I will say like the, I mean, not to say you have to find a silver lining in it, but looking at it in a way that, you know, there was never, there was never going to be a time where Reverie could have existed as like that incubator space during like a regular service. Like we're, if we were doing, you know, 90 covers a night and I'm sitting there trying to make pizza on Garmage where he's like trying to put together like a bunch of like, you know, our cooks trying to put together stuff like I would have just been in the way. Uh, so it kind of gave us the, the opportunity to like kind of try things that we like really enjoyed and like did on a much smaller scale and see if we were able to kind of expand a little bit with it. So it was kind of, that kind of led into like the idea of like <clears throat> kind of what, what I'm doing this year, uh, with, uh, the opening of all the other stuff. Right. So you've got two new spots, Nighthawk pizza and bar sparrow Yeah. are, so did Nighthawk pizza, was that born out of one of the, the things that Reverie during the pandemic? Well, it was built around like a, a conversation with these. Uh, so Nighthawk is a collaboration between uh, myself, Aslan, and then uh, this guy, Scott Parker and his restaurant group called The Wave Group. Uh, they kind of, they had already had the idea of doing Nighthawk. This is uh, Andrew from Nighthawk's Baby. Um, their their beer is fantastic. I, I, don't, I don't drink anymore, but I taste uh, and their stuff's good. Um, but they, they were coming in at the beginning of last year and before the shutdown and like, we just kind of nerded about like about pizza and like just random stuff. And, um, actually during the pandemic, like they were buying Aslan, they were buying burgers and doing drop-offs for like hospitals and stuff like that. So we would, I think the, I think one day we cooked like 400 burgers on like a, basically like every single saute pan that we had in the restaurant. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> with, yeah, I, I can say like, I've had like some pretty shitty services, but that was I've never been in a position where I've like felt like I was like, I mean, it's it, not recently, but like it's a line cook that happened all the time. But as like a restaurant where I felt like I was drowning. I'm like, I don't think I can actually like, I can't keep up with how many burgers we have to do. Um, <laughs> no flat top, no grill. You're slinging and saute pans, had, uh, all these things. Saute bands. And then we had like a, a, a shitty um, little electric plancha that I bought on Amazon. Okay. Oh and we God. burned out, <laughs> we burned out, we burned out two of those. It was like 12 by 12. Like you could cook five burgers at a time, not well. Right. And we just like, we crushed, we crushed those things. We did like a little <laughs> plancha graveyard out on our patio for a while. Um, but it's, it started with them and they were, they were at, like, after like a couple months of like chatting and, you know, they had the concept in mind. They're like, Hey, you talk about pizza. And I was, we were, we had a pizza stone at the restaurant. We were making pizza for family meal because it's something I've always really loved. And, um, they kind of, kind of brought, came up in conversations like, Hey, is this something you would consider wanting to do? I was like, yeah, like it always been in my head that you know, we, it makes sense to cook the food that you like to eat. And I, I love pizza and, uh, I just hadn't really had it, had a thought in my mind of like when I would ever actually have time to do that. Cause reverie was the only thing that I thought I was ever going to do for the next like five to 10 years. Um, but, uh, they started talking about, it. I was like, yeah, like let's, let's go for it. And then, um, 
when we lost all all dining privileges, like we weren't allowed to have like anybody in the restaurant, uh, Mara Forney um, had reached out because they saw me doing like a little pizza pop up uh, called. It was unrelated to the uh, to Nighthawk, but the name was Lonely Hunter. After uh, this, I'm actually wearing it today because all I own is restaurant t shirts <laughs> and skate shop t shirts. I'm wearing my pizza t shirt today, but. Um, I was doing it in a rock box and a pizza stone and Mara Forney was like, Hey, do you want to borrow an electric deck oven that you can put on your French top and just like sling pies for a while? So, um, it was, uh, kind of like a, <clears throat> a little, uh, preview of what we wanted to eventually do at Nighthawk, but like in a much smaller scale, um, me Nighthawk's going to be, a, it's like a 10,000 square foot space, wow. but most of that is like a, a, it's a brewery. So they're, I mean, they'll be brewing on site for the restaurant. So when is you the brewery that, currently open? No, so it, it's everything's all, everything. Okay. Yeah, we're all, it's all gonna come together at the same time. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It was it was kind of fun, like to change like our our focus and just kind of. I mean, we we still we took everything we did as serious as we would like a tasty menu or you know whatever it may be. But you know, we I think we changed our pizza our percentages like every day. Like we were just throwing out dough because I was fuck I fucking hated it and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was. You know, and then for a while, it was like that. I was the only one that made the pizzas, and then my sous chef was making them. And yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of it was pretty cool that you know, out of all of that, we could find just like the things that we really enjoyed. And like you're like, yeah, we can turn this into hopefully a viable business. And um, it also it also helps helps kind of put Reverie in a better place. Uh, when we first opened, I had I think we all had, I think every restaurant goes to like an identity crisis where you're like, who are, who am I? And Reverie was definitely that restaurant. Um, we were doing a tasty menu, but we're also doing like a burger and fried chicken sandwiches. And we tried to be every restaurant, like three restaurants in one. And I just realized I need, I didn't, I wanted more than one. I always said, no, I'm just going to do one restaurant. I was like, ah, that's, that's bullshit. Um, so the, I was able to like to fill my, fill my buckets, kind of like what we do with my daughter, like make sure she plays Play-Doh and gets her crayons. It goes to the, she gets all the things that she loves in a day. I was like, okay, I can do that with my restaurants. So Reverie is you know, our like seafood driven, like tasting menu restaurant. And then we'll have, you know, uh, Nighthawk doing pizza. Uh, cause that's something else that we love. And then kind of, you know, all the, the a la carte casual stuff that didn't really necessarily make sense at Reverie has kind of made its way to what, at least the idea of what Bar Spiro will be. Where are you guys at with Bar Spiro? Uh, so we're, we're in for permits. Um, so you have a space, you have yeah, investors. We, oh yeah, yeah. We got the space. We got the investors, we got the design, we got everything ready. Like it's, it's ready to go. Like once we get permits, like construction is go, and we just start moving. Are permits a challenge in DC? Uh, no, not really. It's, um, like we we also just got like our our like we so we applied for a liquor license early just to get through with that. Like DC's, it's kind of like, it's kind of the best and the worst time, and I'm sure that's probably with any time to open a restaurant. Uh, just you know everything is online now, so getting permits it's all digital like i remember when i used when i ran i ran my own permits for reverie and i like would go down to like the uh dcra and stand along with a number and like show them plans and then i forgot something <laughs> so i had to run back and but now everything is done online so it's it's easier and um uh, so like you get a comment back like you need another hand sink you're like cool throw another hand sink in and then you put it back in and you're good to go right. and like liquor license like i didn't even the with reverie i had to go to like a hearing and you know we had a, a couple people in the building try to fight us on it um which not, I mean, nothing ever came of that, but for this one, they, it was all online. Uh, it was like a zoom meeting and 
like nobody, not to say nobody showed up, but I feel like everyone's like, yeah, we're just excited to get businesses in. So I think, um, everyone's just kind of trying to push, push through to get new, uh, new restaurants and like life back again, because all these developers, you know, have, they've been having, they've been holding onto these spots for, you know, a couple of years and none of them could have seen, you know, five years from the time that they, you know, were finishing construction that they were going to have a, a year closed because of the pandemic, just like all of us. Um, did that factor in to the real estate that you guys acquired for uh, Bar Spiro? Did you do you feel like you got something that you would have wouldn't have gotten two years ago? I think so. I think it, I think it also was like, I think it was a little bit of both. Like they, it was a uh, a space that I probably never would have even attempted to try to get, and I don't think it was a space. I don't know if it's, it's a space they would have ever offered me. Um, right. But I don't know. Like I think giving Reverie a little bit of time to define itself, but also like being in a being in a time where people just want to like keep restaurants going. And, uh, we had a lot of like people come to the restaurant that were just like super stoked that we were still moving and like we had good energy and, um, yeah, like it, like I, I, I think the, the hardest message to get across is that everyone knew how terrible it was. Like it, it sucked for everybody. Um, but nobody, we wanted to make sure that when people came to the restaurant, if they were like, just, you know, if they were just like picking up a burger, like I was drawing cartoons on all the, like on a lot of the burgers for the first couple months, just cause like I was, I don't know why, but I thought it was a good idea. Um, but it's like, yeah, like just kind of like keeping like people's energy positive and like I'm not personal touch. Yeah, yeah, I'm not like some hippy dippy like new age healer kind of shit. But it's a, uh, I just felt like I. It was also good for me. Like I didn't want to like start sinking down in like this like pit of like despair and be like I'm gonna lose everything. I mean, obviously that's that was the fear for everybody. And like we're st- like we're still not technically out of it, but um, I think we started having these conversations and I started looking at like. I never even like I never would have had these conversations if it wasn't for last year. It was like fuck it, like let's just go big, um, because what, what I make mean, if I'm if I'm putting this much effort into like saving one restaurant, um, there's got to be a way like that I can make like a living and not just you know you know live paycheck paycheck and you know I'm trying to support my family now. But yeah, I definitely think that uh, it was easier to like just kind of instead of going back and forth like with. Uh, you know, negotiating stuff. Like I think everyone just like laid everything out on like right then and there. Like there was no like months of back and forth. It's like, this is what we can do. And if it works, it works. And it doesn't, it doesn't. It was like, okay, cool. But I think everyone was just kind of, uh, kind of over Not there was, they, you couldn't hide behind anything. Like no one was like hiding their cards on the table. Everything was like laid out in front so you could see it. Um, that like, we just want good operators. Uh, and you know, it's so reverie is like in an old historic building in Georgetown, like down an alleyway. And then, um, Everything else is the complete opposite of that, like actual foot traffic. <laughs> and, uh, and Are they close by? Uh, all three? No. So, so Nighthawk is out in uh, in Virginia, like close to where the new Amazon headquarters will be. Uh, okay. So that's in Pentagon City, uh, and they're like rebranding this ent- this entire like place in Virginia. But like northern, it's it's right across the bridge. I mean, it's like going from like you know Manhattan to Brooklyn. Like it's like super super close by. So it's still it's it's where everybody that like works in DC lives. So it's like a, it's, right. it's definitely like perfect for like a brewery and pizza space. And then, um, bar Spiro's downtown in DC. So closer to like Chinatown, uh, Union station, like Metro accessible, uh, which okay. Georgetown is not. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah. How do you yeah. plan to, to divvy up your, yourself when, when all three are up and running? Well, I bought a motorcycle, so I'm like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got two little kids, Johnny. Yeah. Not a motorcycle. Come on, man. Yeah, I got a helmet. 
And I wear a jacket. Killing me. I know. Killing me. Well, I think that's the thing too, is that like empowering the people that <laughs> want to be there to like, to help me run it. Um, like working for, you know, and spending time in all these other like really great kitchens. And I'll, I'll never compare myself to like Andonia Muguritz or Jose Andres or any of those guys, but uh, they, they were really smart about building a team that would help them. Like it's, it's, it's not just about me. It's like having people that you trust, like running those spaces. So like we, we moved, I made my wife move twice last year, uh, because I'm a dick. And we, when we, we, <laughs> we, we, we moved, to, we moved to like a, to a basement apartment, uh, not, not too far away from the restaurant. I mean, it was a couple, it was like a 20 to 30 minute, uh, ride, but um, as soon as we found out that she was pregnant and we had kind of started looking at doing the bar Spiro thing, I was like, okay, I want to, like, I was already creating the, my path of how my day would start. Like we live in Northeast and DC. So I can, I'm like a 10 minute drive to, to where bar Spiro will be. And then that's like a 15 minute drive to Reverie. So I have like my loop already created in my head and the restaurant's not even open yet. <laughs> uh, so it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I also know that I can't be everywhere at once. And I, as like, as right. long as I like admit that I'm like, I can't, like, I'm, I don't need to do the hundred hour weeks anymore. Like I will when I have to, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Reverie will always be, and is like my, my first, my first child. And I will not tell my kids when they get older that I compare a restaurant to like their <laughs> lives, but, uh, I wouldn't have well, like, now, no. now it's recorded. Johnny. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this ah, podcast live in a library forever. Shit, no, don't worry. Have, they're not going to give two shits to like go and listen to this later. Yeah, I know. I was Unfortunately. Like, I'm like, also I have it. I'm reading, I'm reading the transcript from my recorder. I'm like, yeah, that's there. I said it, uh, but we, uh, reverie, like I, nothing, none of the, <clears throat> the opportunities that have like kind of come, like come to me would be, would have happened without that restaurant. And that's kind of like my creative, my creative outlet, my like the space where I can go, not to say do whatever I want, but there's less less limitations on what it is. And uh everything I do is like to try to kind of keep that going and keep it special. Uh you know, having, you know, feeling like having like the casual restaurants that can, you know, not necessarily be like a financial dream, but can help, you know, support Reverie. Like a lot of our guests, a lot of people in DC may not know what Reverie is, but the hope is that we're we'll be able to build like a uh, a following. So Bar Spiro, although it's my name, like you don't necessarily need to know like the story, like, oh yeah, Johnny worked in Spain and he was the head chef at the mini bar. Like you're gonna go there because you're like, cool, we want to get some good, good casual food because it's open lunch and dinner every day. And uh it will hopefully build like a, a relationship between the two restaurants. And same thing with the uh, with Nighthawk. Um so I think it's yeah, it's like building building like the brand awareness, but like building a relationship between all of them where I mean, I'm sure people are gonna expect to see me at Reverie more often than the other places. Um, but like no my uh my morning my morning sous chef ryan uh who helped me you know he's he's been here with me for like two years now he will go he's gonna go run that restaurant like he's he loves he he his first job was at costco and he was a manager there for a while uh and then he ended up coming to dc he's from he's from indiana uh and he's just like midwest his favorite restaurant is outback steakhouse and like and not knocking him i mean the blooming onion is uh it's it's a gift. I love a blooming yeah. onion. It is uh, never say no to a blooming no. onion. But he like he loves like the technique and fine dining. But he he knew like he's like yeah, I don't think I want to do tasting menus. He's like cool. Uh, let's find out what you want to do, and that's when we kind of started doing the pizza for family meal. It's like yeah, let's just start messing with this and see what you like. Like he'd always kind of gravitated towards like our bread production. I'm like well, let's see this. So like building Reverie's been great because it's been an incubator space for ideas, but also for for the people that I want to like be there, like 
uh, yeah, having Ryan go run Nighthawk because he was with me when we were doing all the pizza and he knows like, he'll know it. I, I trust that I don't have to sit there and, you know, run between the two restaurants for every order. Be like, Hey, you know, you've got, you know, you're, he's going to do it the way that it's supposed to be done. And, uh, also like giving him like a little bit of creative freedom because I, I feel like that's other, a lot of chefs will just put their names on everything and then kind of take, take all the credit, but I, I want them to have like a sense of ownership, but he, he also knows like my style now, like he's learned how to create in the voice of Johnny Spiro. And I don't know really how to articulate that, but they, they have a better understanding of it. I think looking from the outside in, uh, so, and it's, you know, it's just going to be fun, fun, simple food, but still like a lot of, a little, a little bit more technique probably than, than most people would assume, but it like, no one needs to know that shit. It's just going to be like tasty pizza. Um, and then same thing with Bar Spiro, like having a staff there that, uh, you know, someone uh, like having actually a head chef who can, who can run it and like, you know, build it with me. And eventually at some point have like a part of it. I just, I, I know that I, I probably like, I'll be the face of it and I'll be like the, the mind behind most of it, but I want other, I want everyone else to feel like they're not just there as like bodies, like they're people and they have you know feelings and emotions and things that they like to cook and things they don't like to cook. And I want all that to kind of like be conveyed through the restaurants. Amazing. So you're in the process of building these two spaces. You have your team supporting. Tell us a little bit about like how you, so it sounds like this all has been happening during the pandemic year. And you have, do you have different partners in each space or did you, you have the same ones? Did you have to go raise a bunch of money? Tell us how that all went out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all different. It's uh, like Reverie is an entirely different group. Uh, uh, with, with Nighthawk, there's, uh, it's all different partners. So it's, uh, so between Aslan and the wave group, it's the three of us. And like within that, there's probably like, uh, probably like 14 people involved in that project. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big project and there's a lot of people involved in all each one of those parties. Um, and then Bar Spiro is just, so Reverie is, so I have investors, but I'm the only, I don't have any other partners. Uh, and same thing with Bar Spiro, like it's, we have a couple investors and it's just, it's just me. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Like Reverie, I had to like, beg and borrow and you know i still owe all of our investors money uh and the other ones kind of came without a lot of like need for capital contribution from my end like there, there's like there was like a little bit but that was also i guess the other the other thing that like brought kind of made it seem like it could potentially be like something that was like uh financially sound for me to kind of jump into i mean i have such a such a small part of nighthawk i mean it's the food but there's like so much more behind it with the beer um and they and they kind of handled uh, all my partners kind of handled like the the financing of that and like with with Bar Spiro like we have a really great landlord who's who help who's helping us with a lot of the work and you know it took very little on our end to kind of make that happen um, but that was like that's also like the scariest conversation to have with anybody right now is like you know as we're fighting to keep a restaurant open uh, trying to open up two other spaces in a time where like you know when we signed the lease we were at like zero, zero percent capacity. Like we weren't allowed to have anybody in the mm-hmm. restaurant. I was like, shit, like, is this the dumbest thing that I've ever fucking done? Like, am I going to get stuck <laughs> with like, cause there's, you know, when, once you sign a lease, like the timer starts. Uh, so, and it's all from, it's all different groups. It's not like I can, um, yeah, it's like, it's three separate businesses that have like, I don't say they don't have anything to do with each other. Like I'm involved in all of them, but like, yeah, between like Reverie and Bar Spiro, those are more, more, more mine than anything. And then, and then Nighthawk, luckily there's a lot of other partners that can make a lot of the decisions to keep things moving, but, uh, it's definitely, definitely kind of wild and scary. Like trying to, I, I hate saying the pivot word. Cause I feel like it's been said like, you know, every day. A kajillion times. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. like, you know, as we're scrambling with, 
with Reverie to do that. And then also trying to build like an investor deck and, you know, our projected opening budgets and all that stuff for, for a restaurant that's significantly, uh, larger than, than Reverie. And it's just like, it was, it's definitely like over overwhelming. Like when you look at a restaurant that has like, uh, altogether Reverie had like maybe now like normal, normal, normal time. It was, uh, like 60 seats inside because it's, it's a pretty small restaurant, but it's like a chef's counter, but now it'll limit, it'd probably go back to being like 35, 40, uh, to a restaurant that's, you know, three times the size of what we're working with now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, a it's, it was, it's definitely, it's still stressing me out. Like talking about it right now, I'm sitting here. I was like, yeah, shit. It's definitely, it's <laughs> a little bit. I'm like, turn the fucking AC on. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's wild, but I mean the, uh, yeah, having, having three separate, I guess, entities operating entirely separate from each other, like different partners, different investors, different, you know, different leases, like different structures, different everything. It's a, it's a lot to handle. Um, and I've, it's not like I was, I'm like, I came from like another background. Like I was like a dumb kid that like almost fell out of school who started working in restaurants. So like business is not, uh, I think I've learned more from just being in it and what not to do, but it's definitely, it's definitely a struggle. Like I'm really good at cooking. And then now I'm trying to like, you know, I have like, you know, meetings every week with contractors and, you know, with the the building team and the landlords. And, you know, we're trying to like, you know, just look at projections and do all that. And it's, I'm glad that I have an understanding of it, but it's still like, the thing that scares me the most and it's like wh- where I see a lot of a lot of the uh chefs kind of fails that they don't they just try to take everything on their you know by themselves and I was like now there's no fucking way I can't do all this uh so like trying to like I have a, mm-hmm. a CFO that helps me kind of navigate especially like you know all the PPP stuff that everyone had to go through like I I tried to do it by myself and that was kind of nonsense and it's like oh yeah I have a so like a an accountant that can help me with this stuff uh so it definitely it definitely helped me realize that there was there, i mean i've always i mean i knew that there was a lot to opening restaurants you know i i opened one when i was 26 because i was stupid um but uh i uh it's, <laughs> we did that we did that done, open and close yeah and yeah so, yep <laughs> but i think that, like the best thing was like it made me realize i didn't know what i was doing um and then i was like okay i can probably look the cre- creativity is fine. Like you can create like the coolest food in the world, but if you can't keep your restaurant open, then it, then it doesn't really matter. Uh, tell us, tell us a little about, about, is it, so this is, is this like an outsource CFO that you have? Cause I, these kind of things are super helpful to oh, yeah. our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that was like, uh, yeah. So she, it's, she's, it's like an a la carte, uh, 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 account service. So she represent, she worked for a lot of, a. um, a lot of bigger restaurant groups for a very long time. Like she worked for like Michael Schlau. Like her name, her name's Mary Ellen and her company's called finance a la carte. Um, <clears throat> she just sent me an email, uh, for my, my weekly cash review. Her, uh, her ears were burning. I know. Oh, oh, she's coming in person to visit me. She's, uh, uh, she's <laughs> <laughs> not, not because I did anything wrong. She's um, like, we need to talk Johnny. Yeah, yeah, You're but, opening three restaurants at once. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a, uh, no, she's, I mean, it, it's awesome. Like it's the, you, I mean, I looked at, you know, we look at the big, the big restaurant groups. Like when I worked for Jose and, you know, you go inside, he's got like his CFO's got an office. There's the CEO, the CMO. Um, he had like a, an entire like two floor office space. And I was like, well, I guess he needs that for 30 restaurants, but how do you do, like, how do I have any of this if I just have one? And uh, realizing that, you know, <clears throat> some people like just try to do all themselves and I don't like, I'm not an accountant. So I don't want to sit there and like try to figure stuff out, but 
knowing that these exist now, like there are tons of companies like this that exist around the place. And like, she's, she's remote. Like she spends most of her time in Florida. So like I sent her every invoice, every, uh, I mean, she, I mean, everything is all done digitally and we correspond. Like, I mean, she's, I see her, uh, at least like once, once every other month, like she'll come by and like, we'll just sit down and go through everything. But we, we have zoom calls once a week. Um, and it's just kind of nuts. Like it's, it's, a lot of people look at it at like whatever, like the cost, like per month. Uh, but the amount that like she, like she's saved us on, uh, just labor alone. If I had to like have somebody in the restaurant actually do all this stuff or like in me, like I have the value of my time. Like I'm not, <clears throat> I shouldn't like be in my accounts payable. Cause it just, it's, it would, I would forget to pay everybody. And then I'd, I'd have, you know, people chasing after me for thousands of dollars or, I, or I'd forget to pay sales tax, which is like something I see like a lot of restaurants not do. Um, so she, she helps me or, you know, all of her, all of her partners help us too. And it's, it's super, it's something I never would never thought that I would ever have. Like, you know, when you're at line cook and you're at a restaurant and you see like the chef in the office and doing this, you're like, Oh, what a lazy schmuck. Like he's just, he's not doing shit right now. You're like, Oh no, he's running his business. He's doing that. And I was like, Oh, uh, like, but there's, there was like different, different support systems. And I think now with, you know, definitely office culture is going to change, but also just like how everybody like, you know, with computers and cell phones, like it's, it's so much easier to like transfer data. You know, I, I scan all my invoices on my phone and I send it and then I don't even, I don't even have to think about it. Like I know that it gets put into our, our system and it gets paid. Um, like there's a, like we have a scheduler, like it's, it's not like it's, it makes, it takes all the things that we're not good at in the restaurant and like consolidates it down to like this little compartment that I can just kind of push to the side. Like I still have to be responsible for it, but, um, it doesn't drown me like emotionally, <laughs> trying to like trying to figure that out so it's it's like it's super helpful and like you know they're they they're kind of like a a one-stop shop like hr all that kind of stuff it just it's things i didn't know i needed until i asked for it um right so yeah and it's the stuff you don't want to have to think about it's i mean again do what you're good at outsource what you're not We've been talking a lot about um, sustainability in both the fashion world, since with Till at NYC, as well as food, since we're also hospitality. Um, Jen, did you know that 40% of food is unused or wasted after farmer's markets? 40%? I thought that we were doing good by going to the farmer's market. That's crazy. It's the wasted food after the farmer's market. Ah, anyway, <laughs> and did you know that imperfect or bruised fruits and vegetables are 100% perfect for making cocktail syrups? Oh, interesting. That makes a lot of sense. So our friend, I don't know if uh, listeners you remember, but we had Adam Fournier on earlier this season. Uh, he was the winner of the Diageo um, Best Bartender. So he actually has this new project called So Fresh and So Green. It's encouraging bartenders to adopt their local farmer's market and repurpose and reuse the unusable produce. It seems like a great way to use that stuff and then put it in a cocktail service. So you can learn more uh, if you go to diageobaracademy.com about So Fresh and So Clean. And just as a reminder, Diageo Bar Academy is free. It's an online resource for hospitality professionals offering resources for bartenders, bar managers, and venue owners and more. So stay informed, inspired, and connected to grow your career or business by joining Diageo Bar Academy today. Why wait? Visit diageobaracademy.com. Become a member and sign up for the newsletter today. It's completely free and you'll be amazed at all they have to offer. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com.
This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based customers into your doors with easy to use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier with no cholesterol and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st/hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and french toast. There's also frozen pre-baked folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres called Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, "So good, I feel guilty eating it." Put the fastest growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st/hrn. We like to do a little bit of a lightning round with uh, our guests to do quick sort of one word answer kind of questions. Al, you want to kick us off? Sure. We kind of went over this a little bit, but um, how do you best juggle your family and work as a chef owner operator? These one answers are just as quickly as possible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's no one word for this. There's no one word for what? Yeah. Patience, that maybe? Was... Yeah. <laughs> Patience and uh, sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation. <laughs> I was going to ask how little, how much sleep have you had the past like week? Probably very little. I haven't been able to count. I'm also, I've been alcohol-free for like two and a half years. So I think that definitely helps. If I was hungover all the time, I would Huge be. Difference. Yeah, dude, it's, I mean, night and day. Like I still, I have a pen and I still you know, every once in a while, it's been wild because I don't want to wake up like super stoned and like have to change the baby's diaper, but it like helps me calm down and go, <laughs> go to sleep. Um, but yeah, shame, get like, stop it. I stopped drinking right before we opened the restaurant before the baby was born. And it was, I mean, I was just, a, I was a mess and, um, I'd always been dependent on alcohol. So this was like, it was like eye opening how much, how like, how much more time there was in the day to do stuff. Like I went to the splash park at like eight o'clock in the morning the other day. I wouldn't do that if I was hungover and we hung out for like two hours and I could have gone, I could, I could still, be, I could have been at work at 10 o'clock. Uh, so no booze helps for right now. Quit drinking. Yep. Sobriety. What is your word? One word answer. Jen, what do you got? Um, sorry. Where was I? Um, any building surprises so far on the two simultaneous build outs? Uh, none, none yet. They're both very different buildings, um, but uh, we, we before we like did anything, we made sure like we tried to just learning from our mistakes before with buildings. Like Reverie was Reverie was a nightmare, uh, so like asking a million questions before we even like put you know did any kind of demo uh, to get out of the way. So right right now, there's been no no hangups yet, um, but. Because I said that now and it's recorded, I guarantee I'm going to get like an email tomorrow that there's something like miserable and uh, uh, we'll have to change something. But no, it's been wildly, uh, <laughs> yeah, easy at the moment. 
I mean, I think to your point too, from earlier, it's like amazing that it took a global pandemic to make like local government offices more efficient and actually go online. Cause everybody, you know, everybody had that same experience where it's like, you had to go in person to get these stupid permits. And it took like five days where it's like, why it should have just been online all the time. Like, why did it take this to make it happen? So hopefully that's a silver lining for everybody. Yeah, I hope so. It's made it, it's made everything too easy right now where I'm like scared shitless of it, but so far so good. So far so good. Um, this is one we like to ask everybody best business resource to date. Best business resource. That is that is interesting. I mean, think <clears throat> I've been I've been lucky enough that uh, like working for Jose Andres um, and his partner Rob Wilder, uh, they they. I mean, I was twenty six when I took over Minibar, and uh, and I came back from Spain and like basically just asked them for all the help I could. Um, you know, Jose's he's he's a chef, but he's he's like a wildly intelligent business owner, and you know, he's he has he it took him well over 20 years to get to like where he is now to like be able to save the world. Like he didn't just open a restaurant and be like, cool. Now I'm going to go, you know, uh, go to India, uh, when there's, you know, a massive like COVID spike and save them. Like he, he learned how to turn a dream into a reality and like keep it that way. And I, uh, I think he's been kind of like a, a great, uh, great mentor mentor in that, in that aspect. Like he's, he's brilliant and he's an amazing humanitarian, but he's, he also runs like a really successful business. So it's, uh, he, he's kind of like the, he's, he's kind of the dream. I mean, it's, it's important if you can't, you know, if your business doesn't succeed, then you can't keep doing all the other things that are so important with yeah. team building. And yeah. He, such he, as that. he built himself that platform to stand on. And like, if his business is crumbled, it'd be so much harder for him to do that. So it's, you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup, which I guess is kind of the important thing. And he's, he's been all find a way to take care of his staff and also the world. So all right, last question for you, Johnny. Uh, Two-part question. Target opening date for Bar Sparrow and actual opening date for Bar Sparrow. <laughs> uh, like a goal and a reality? Win- uh, <clears throat> our goal is definitely winter of 2021, but I'll I'll say like reality probably. Uh, I mean, unless something comes up like early 2022, but as of right now, like we've, we've had a pretty long lead way and I've been kind of quietly working on it for a little bit. So I'm hoping before the end of the year would be pretty cool. Uh, and then the same thing with, with, uh, I think Nighthawk should be, um, kind of towards the, like, the end of summer or fall time. So it's all kind of TBD right now, but we're, yeah, I always say like, as soon as I put like a date timestamp on it at six months, um, so, <laughs> but, uh, hopefully I think, like we said, I think with everything being online and everything that's been kind of moving the way it has, like maybe that's over for right now, but I'll, I'll let you know in, in 2022 what happened. We'll, we'll keep our eyes we'll and ears checking open. In. We'll <laughs> yeah. follow. Yeah, we'll follow along. I feel like they're going to open within a day of each other, just given the like past experience oh, with yeah. uh, your wife going into labor, like 10 days after the restaurant opened, all of those good things. I would actually, I think I like, I think I'm a glutton for punishment. Like, I think I love that shit. Like I would love for that to happen, <laughs> to, to develop, to be like sling pizza during the day and then like to have to go do, you know, reverie tasty menu and then go to bar Spiro. Like, uh, I think, yeah, maybe, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not the best idea. Maybe it's not good for my, my blood pressure, but I think I'm, I want that to happen and I brought, maybe I shouldn't say that out loud or maybe I should, I'd, I'd love for it to open on time. Uh, but yeah, I just want to get like destroyed with restaurant openings and operating. It probably after like a, <laughs> a year of like just smashing burgers and like slowly reverting back to like regular reverie. Like I think I'm just anxious just like everybody else to kind of just 
make up for all that where everyone else is going out and getting blacked out drunk at the bar i'm just opening up restaurants so uh just there you go <laughs> one more last question will there be a burger at bar Sp- or a yes. burger at bar Spiro? yeah there will and will you have a legitimate flat top Yes. Oh, yeah, there will be. Or will you be? Oh, no. God, <laughs> okay. I'm, Good. That was like the first thing we were going through the equipment list. of was like flat top. <laughs> like putting a fucking flat top. The biggest God. flat top I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. Not from Amazon that it's I'm going to bring. It's going to be beautiful. We, I think I still have, I don't know why we saved them. I think they're like down in the parking, like in the parking garage under our building. I think like as a reminder of like the things that we had to do to like keep Reverie open. It's like that That was it. We killed three of these things so we could stay open. You're welcome. <laughs> um yeah. Please send me a picture of that so we can share yeah. <laughs> it uh, in the show notes with uh, this podcast episode. I will. Um, awesome. All right. We always like to shout out um, any spots that are opening soon or just opened. Anybody in D.C. come to mind? Ooh, it just opened. Or reopened. Uh, man. Or reopened. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, D.C.'s got, D.C.'s been kind of kind of crushing it. Uh, I'll say, I guess, well, two two spots so Macan m-a-k-a-n uh james is a he was he was the first sous chef that i worked for here in dc and he uh was born in canada raised in texas and does like amazing southeast asian uh cuisine but he like specifically is focusing on malaysian food uh it's it's like hands down like i i've sat in the dining room after hours because like we it was he opened like right when the pandemic started um, and he just, he crushes it. He's, he's such like a, a positive influence on my life too. And he just does really amazing food. Um, and then, uh, Bobby and Bobby and Sang, uh, who have a restaurant called tip cow. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they are part of like the, the Laotian movement in DC and, uh, have always been wildly supportive of me, but also like just cook really, really, really amazing food as well. Uh, and they've, you know, they've been, doing so many different things during the pandemic as well. Like those are, those are the, uh, my, my two go-tos for, for anybody that comes into DC, like those are the spots that I recommend they go see. Cause I think they've got like a really unique and amazing voice and it's a good, uh, it just shows, shows what DC has to offer. It's not, not just, uh, the prime rib, which is still delicious. Uh, but we're not just steak and potatoes. So. I love it. Yeah. And the tip cat, actually we did aprons for, um, for one of Bobby's places. And it's actually, it's, we made these really cool custom aprons and it's actually my favorite one oh, that we ever made. Don't I, tell anybody else. I own one of those actually. Bobby gave me one. The green ones. Yeah. They're the, they're the, they're yeah. really the coolest. I wear it during service. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, one of my, my favorite. Yeah. yeah he, so. I don't know if he was supposed to give it to me, but he did. So I have a, uh, I have a tip cow. So <laughs> it's, at some point, well, I mean, they're his aprons. Yeah. He can Collectors give them whoever he wants. Yeah. But uh, yeah, those are still one of the favorite ones we ever. We yeah. Ever he's a, uh, he's, he worked for, he worked with me for uh, a little while back at mini bar and he's, he's, he was like splitting, running his parents' restaurant alongside them and also working mm-hmm. PM shifts at mini bar. And, you know, it was like 22, 21. I was like, dude, like go do something, go do something stupid. Be like a 21 year old for a little bit. Like just get dumb. Uh, but he, uh, he's always been there for his family and his family's always been there for me too. And, you know, they're huge supporters of us and they love my family. And, uh, you know, James, James, same thing. He's, uh, he's just, they've both been such a huge part of like the DC community. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, uh, I would do if like, I didn't have those restaurants in my life. Cause they're, they're, they're wildly important to me and they're also just really fucking tasty. So there you go. What's better than that? Good people and good food. Yeah. Do you have anything in New York? Um, in New York, I mean, everything is like opening and reopening tacos way just had friends and family last week. 
Um, all of our, you know, a lot of people have, have reopened, which is exciting to see. Maze Dar is opening a new location. Meal Plan um, is opening at the Graduate Hotels, which we did some really fun custom aprons for. And they're in Roosevelt Island. So I'm really excited to see how that project goes. And then also, I just want to shout out Brandon Bird, who was on, um, what, who was on our previous season of opening soon. Alex and I were just in New Orleans and we went to the NOLA Pizza Company inside. This is actually very similar to what you guys are doing. They have a pizza place inside the NOLA Brewery and it was fucking awesome. They're making all sourdough pizza. And it was super, it was like, that was one of the funnest meals we had. Um, we had a lot of meals and they were all delicious, but that was a fun one. So Brandon Bird crushed yeah. when we were there. They sold out of dough by seven o'clock. <laughs> oh, damn. They ran and out of dough. They did well. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but either way, we got pizza before they sold out. So, <laughs> so that's a good thing. I think that's in that good. sense, it was, a, it was a win. <laughs> I actually think we were the reason they ran out of pizza because we had we did like, order a lot of pizza. <laughs> we had like we 10 also ate a lot of pizza, like 20 so kids. And like, yeah, we crushed like 10 pies. So it was it was brutal. Oh, but damn. Anyways, yeah. That's amazing. So. Johnny, I, you're probably like piling up with uh, Instagram handles now, but give us how, how do we find you on social? Uh, the easy one is just, uh, just add Johnny Spiro. Um, that's kind of where I, I post everything. I I'm trying to get better at, uh, <coughs> having all the other spaces have their own voice, but for right now, the easiest way is just, yeah, Johnny, J O H N N Y S P E R O. Cool. And that's what we'll, we'll find out about, um, what's happening at Reverie, Reverie, Bar Spiro, and then, um, at Nighthawk Pizza too, when those get rolling, you can follow us at, we are opening soon. And of course at till at NYC. Thanks, Johnny. Congrats again on the, uh, the new family member. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've had my uh, my child, uh, the little um, baby monitor here, to make sure like my daughter is she's been asleep this entire time. It's amazing. She's just you made it. You made it. She's just starting to wake up. I'm like, man, this was great. So, man, that was that was awesome. (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing your break with us. (laughs) Of course, thank you guys. Congrats, Johnny. Great to catch up. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.